Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are 2 Kings chapters 1 through 3. Today we begin 2 Kings. Since this is a continuation of 1 Kings, I'm not going to begin with an introduction. We are simply picking up where we left off yesterday. Rabbit trails. And just so y'all know, listening, I looked at the pronunciation and the king we're talking about today is supposed to be pronounced Ahaziah. If I pronounced it otherwise in the past or in the future, just know that I'm doing good to speak Alabamian. We open 2 Kings with King Ahaziah suffering an injury that leaves him pretty much waiting to die. Wanting to know if there's any hope, he sends his servants to the god of Ekron to ask if he will live. 2 Kings 1-2 Yahweh's response is to the point and says it all. 2 Kings 1-3-4 reads, But the angel of Yahweh said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Now, therefore, thus says Yahweh, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. When you turn to idols, the abilities of those idols are what you are left with. Ahaziah had chosen another god, and Yahweh let him have that other god. And this is what the other god was capable of when it came to helping him in any way whatsoever. Nothing. Of course, Ahaziah doesn't like this answer and sends men out to find the messenger. The first two teams of 50 soldiers and their commander approach with an attitude of presumptuousness, giving Elijah an order to come down. Now, Elijah puts them in their place pretty quickly. The third group comes with a humble and fearful approach, which is more in line with the reverence that is rightly due to a man of Yahweh that he has chosen to represent him. And at this point, the angel intervenes in order to preserve them. Many attribute this to being proof that their hearts and intent of this group of men were better than the previous two groups. Elijah ascends. Elijah and Enoch are the only two people we read about in Scripture that were taken alive to Yahweh. Now, most people assume that Elijah rode in a flaming chariot pulled by horses. But if you read the text carefully, it simply says this chariot and horses appeared and that a wind or storm-like whirlwind is what transported Elijah. I found the following verses offer additional fullness to this story for me with regards to just why the fiery chariot might have appeared. Psalm 104, 3-4 reads, He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds. His ministers a flaming fire. Psalm sixty-six, fifteen reads, For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Habakkuk 3.8 reads, Was your wrath against the rivers, Yahweh? Was your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? 
Keep it quiet. Repeatedly, we hear this with regards to Elijah being caught up. This was not to be a public spectacle, and I can't help but feel it must have been a weighty matter with a mixture of emotions for the inheritor of Elijah's mantle, Elisha. Elisha asked for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. This is a pattern set forth in the Bible of giving the eldest a double portion, and it's been repeated in many different exceptional ways. It is interesting to note that Yahweh brought about twice as many miracles through Elisha as he did through Elijah. Elijah's miracles can be found in the following verses. 1 Kings 17, 1. 1 Kings 17, 14 through 16. 1 Kings 17, verses 22 through 23. 1 Kings 18, verses 25 through 38. 1 Kings 18, verses 41 through 45. 2 Kings 1, verses 9 through 10. 2 Kings 1, verses 11 through 12. And 2 Kings 2, verse 8. Elisha's miracles. 2 Kings 2, 14. 2 Kings 2, verses 19 through 22. 2 Kings 2, verses 23 through 24. 2 Kings 3, verses 14 through 25. 2 Kings 4, verses 2 through 7. 2 Kings 4, verses 8 through 17. 2 Kings 4, verses 32 through 37. 2 Kings 4, verses 38 through 41. 2 Kings 4, verses 42 through 44. 2 Kings 5, verses 1 through 19. 2 Kings 5, verses 20 through 27. 2 Kings 6, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings 6, 18. 2 Kings 7, Kings 7 verses 1 through 20. 2 Kings 8, verses 7 through 15. And finally, 2 Kings 13, verses 14. Through 19. 2 Kings 2, 23-25, The Boys and the Bears. Now, this is a difficult verse for many to read, but it becomes an entirely different scene when we put it back in context. At first glance, most of us likely imagine small schoolboys playfully taunting an old man and him sending a pack of bears to devour them in return. In reality, though, the Hebrew word translated as small boys in some Bibles is simply referring to young men who could have been easily in their 20s. Another piece of the puzzle is that Elijah had been taken up recently, and no doubt news of this had traveled far and wide, especially with the failed search party that some of the servants insisted upon. The men taunted him, go up, go up, as if to entice him to call upon Yahweh to take him up as well so that they might see it. Or... It is possible that they believe this didn't actually happen and they were mocking him. Now, the third piece of this puzzle is when in 2 Kings 2.24, it tells us that when the bear came, 42 of the young men suffered injuries. Y'all, it doesn't tell us the total number, but if 42 people suffered injuries, this is not a small, innocent group. It was more like an angry mob of strong men. Either way, when we take into account that these were young men, 
numbering more than 42, and taunting Elijah. It is no wonder he felt threatened enough to use strong measures. It is another common misconception that the boys were murdered. A reading of the text does not say any of them died. This is yet another case of truth being different from tradition, and another reminder that we must have a first-hand relationship with the Word. No one can read the Bible for us. At the end of chapter 3, we see the king of the Moabites sacrifice his eldest son as a burned offering on top of the wall, in view of everyone. This so disgusts Israel that they abandon the war and return to their own land. See Leviticus 18.21 and Leviticus 20 verse 3. Y'all fill in the rabbit trails with your own comments in our Facebook group. I'll be back writing more tomorrow. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.